Some of us have smelled your rose perfume. Johanna, Johanna, are you really here? Looking for your lover after all these years. Ghoulish greetings, my delicious blood donors. Wait. That's right, Halloween has passed. For some. <laughs> Hoping each and every one of you had a spectacular Halloween. Now it's time for us to prepare ourselves for that Thanksgiving food coma that we will soon be experiencing. Thank you for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers Podcast part of your phenomenal day. The tunes, those are courtesy, of course, of the lovely Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. In Chicago lies Bachelors Grove Cemetery, long since abandoned and indeed desecrated, but still holds a hauntingly eerie beauty and definitely not forgotten. It started welcoming burials in 1836. It's a location that has gained attention since at least the 70s. Weird happenings take place here, and it seems that it is the home of several resident spirits, but I'm going to get into that a little later on. Bachelor's Grove has been on my bucket list of places to go investigate, and not just that, but to truly just walk around and check the place out. I love seeing the unique mausoleums, the crypts, the headstones, just everything. I don't know what it is about graveyards and cemeteries. It's just so incredibly peaceful and beautiful, and each of them is different. It's odd to say, but I feel so at home when I'm at these burial grounds. People who've come here have gotten a ton of different types of evidence, including photographic evidence. One of them is a very famous picture, and that is of a woman sitting on a headstone looking out. So the story behind this picture takes us back to a nice summer day in August of 1991. Ghost Research Society was at the cemetery and they did a full-on investigation. They spread out and checked out every single inch of Bachelor's Loop. The goal was to use the newest and latest scientific equipment, including other tools such as my favorite, the recorder, cameras, and what have you. After a thorough search, they found that a couple areas had unusual readings and required, no, scratch that, demanded more attention. So they go to these locations and they start taking pictures and running additional tests. As they take the pictures, they are on alert and observing the area. No one besides them is around. So they take their pictures, run their tests, use their equipment, and they call it a day. After the film is developed and back in their hands, they notice something off in one of the pictures. There, a woman sits on a checkerboard-like tombstone. She's wearing an old-fashioned dress long and down to her feet. She's staring off into the distance. Her face and other parts of the body are semi-transparent. One event happened in 1975 when a man was at the cemetery and suddenly his camera starts taking pictures all by itself spitting them out as quickly as they're being taken. You know those cameras, the instant cameras where the pictures come out right away. Many of you may have had them before. I had one in the past. It was a 
Christmas present. I was probably like 13 or something and I was so incredibly excited. So, you know, these pictures are coming out immediately. And upon investigating his pictures that he did not take, mind you, he noticed that each and every one of the pictures contained a white mist. And looking hard, he noticed that in certain pictures, the mist was taking on a human-like form. Very much confused as he was not there for a paranormal investigation or any type of supernatural purposes, he takes the pictures along with the camera to Kodak in hopes that they can give him answers and, hey, fix my camera, please. After inspection, they tell him that the camera is in perfect working order and operates just fine. And as for the film, it's brand new and unflawed. They have no answers for him. They don't know why it did what it did that day. Well, perplexed, the young man goes back to the cemetery with his camera, of course. And guess what? The same thing happened. And this wasn't like the same day. This is a lot later on. A good amount of time has gone by. He comes back and the same exact thing happens. Humanoid missed figures in his pictures. I really wish I could see those pictures as I am a huge fan of photographic evidence. Very precious evidence indeed. And by the sounds of this location, many who come here get just that. That beautiful evidence from blue glowing balls of light to full-bodied apparitions to phantom houses, shadow figures, and so much more. Speaking of the glowing lights, many people have seen glowing blue balls of light with their very own eyes and catching them in photos as well. In the 1970s, a man named Jack Herminski saw them several times and often would chase them, just always out of reach. He described the light as being the size of a baseball and was floating throughout the cemetery. It would blink in 15 to 20 second intervals. And just when he thought that it was gone for good, it would suddenly reappear, usually behind him. This happened several nights. It became a sport to Jack. He was like obsessed. And while I don't think Jack ever touched the mysterious glowing ball, which he may have, but I haven't seen anything saying that he had, in 1971, a woman named Denise Travers claims she did just that. She says she was able to pass her hand right through that ball of light. And when she did it, there was no sensation, no heat, no coldness, no, no nothing during this encounter. There have been no new reports or sightings of these lights, not to say it's not still happening, but nothing that we know of. Skeptics say that the balls of light, that's easy to say what it is. It's methane gas that the decomposing bodies give off. But in the 70s, the bodies would have been basically skeletons or ashes at this point. But as we know, skeptics will come up with an excuse for anything that's paranormal or supernatural. And that's not a bad thing, I suppose, but come on, methane gas, skeps, you can do better than that. It's so haunted, this location, (laughs) that it's believed to be one of the most active cemeteries in the world. People travel from all over the world to step foot into this cemetery. But beware, before coming here, there has been reports of satanic rituals being held here, and apparently it's not a rare event, especially at night. Eyewitnesses describe an especially eerie encounter while in the middle of a walk, they stepped upon a satanic ritual in progress. It was around a well-known witch's Sabbath. The people, they were clothed in long black robes, and sadly, they were in the process of killing an animal. 
most likely for a sacrifice. So if you do go, I suggest going during the day and in groups. Daytime. Access granted. Nighttime. Access denied. Not only that, but it's believed that the cemetery and the surrounding area was a dumping ground for the mafia, dumping the bodies of their victims off like yesterday's trash. Mostly mob, but possibly some serial killers too, as police found several bodies and firearms in that lagoon. While conducting some research, I found an interesting incident that occurred not too terribly long ago. In 2006, a local well-known psychic and a reporter for the Chicago Tribune encountered the spirit of a little boy while at Bachelor's Grove. The boy, he was so sad because he had lost a silver coin, quite the treasure for such a small child, and it bugged him not only in life about his huge loss, but obviously in death as well. Both the reporter and the psychic heard the small child crying, and he even mentioned that he lost his coin. The psychic suddenly goes into a deep trance and starts walking towards a nearby pond. This pond resembled more of a swamp as it had green muck and whatnot. The psychic, still in his trance, walks right into the filthy pond, stopping when he's about, oh, I'd say about knee deep. He bends down, starts examining the pond's surface until he feels something small. When he lifts his hand out of the Mm, let's call it water, he sees a coin, a 1942 Walking Liberty half-dollar coin. Quite a treasure indeed for such a little kiddo. One very impressive encounter that many have stumbled upon is that of a gorgeous old white farm-style house, complete with white columns, a porch swing, and a lantern burning dimly in one of the windows. One may ask, why is this impressive? It's just a house, right? Well, there are no houses in that area. Never have been. But for years, people have been seeing this house. And when they walk up to investigate the grounds and get a better look at the house, it vanishes. Or some have experienced that as they walk closer to the house, it starts to shrink, getting tinier and tinier. Then suddenly the phantom house disappears in the dark, unforgiving woods. The Rubio Woods, which I believe is very haunted as well. That's exactly what occurred in 1975 when a woman named Arlene and a group of her friends were in the area and witnessed the large farmhouse shrink before their very eyes until it was nothing at all. And in 1966 and 67, an eyewitness named Grace saw the phantom house. And also in 1966, a woman named Mary Ann saw the house as well. As if that's not crazy enough, the house has never been seen in the same location twice. It's been seen by the turnpike, on different roads, along the dirt trail, on either side of the cemetery, and even in the cemetery itself. So we know that at least since dating back to the 60s, there's been sightings. But I have so many other questions, like how did this phantom house come to be here? Where did it come from? Why does it always have to move? How many spirits call it home, as there has to be at least a few, right? What's up with the continuous burning lantern in the window? It's like, are you waiting for someone? If so, who? It's such an incredible encounter that these folks have experienced. I would love to see a phantom house. 
More reason to head on over to Bachelor's Grove Cemetery, I suppose. Besides a phantom house, there have been many sightings of a ghostly car. The first documented case happened in 1977. A passing motorist saw a vehicle parked on the side of the road near a creek which flows past the cemetery. He thought nothing of it, but a year later, he saw that same car, and he could have put his finger on it, but there was something off about this vehicle. Well, a year later, he sees it, he turns around to do some investigating to find that the car is gone. And it's not like he drove for several minutes and came back, giving somebody more than enough time to just start up the car and roll away. No, it was just seconds. The car, it's gone. And many people have driven past the cemetery to see a car on the side of the road. And when they look in the rearview mirror, that's right, it's gone. And sometime in the 1970s, a couple was actually involved in a car accident with none other than the phantom car. They were just driving, minding their own business. And when they were about to make a turn... They claim that a brown sedan appears out of nowhere, speeding right towards them. It's as if it intentionally is trying to scare them and wanting to hit them. These people, this terrified couple, they feel the impact of the car. And I mean, a lot of us have been in car accidents before. It's terrifying. You know, your heart goes up in your throat. It's beating so hard. It feels like it's about to burst. (laughs) The adrenaline is running through your veins. You can't breathe. I mean, you're just numb. It's a horrible experience. So these terrified people, they get out of the car and before their very eyes, they see the brown sedan just simply vanish. What's even more astonishing is the fact that after inspecting their vehicle, there was no damage whatsoever. Not one single scratch. Yet they felt the impact. Their car shook. And yet another spooky sighting took place sometime in the late 1970s when two forest rangers were on a late night patrol. They approached the lagoon and as they do so, they happen to see a farmer and a horse. The horse is pulling an old fashioned type plow. Then, as quickly as it appeared, it disappeared into the nearby Rubio Woods. The same woods that the Phantom House has been seen many a times. Now, you know, what's interesting about this incident is that sometime in the 1870s, a farmer was out with his horse and plow, and for no reason at all, the horse suddenly started making its way right to the water. The farmer tried to change its path and guide it to a different direction, but the horse galloped straight into the lagoon, and with the tremendous weight of the plow, the farmer and horse were quickly and viciously yanked under. Submerged, both of them drowned. Apparitions and shadows have been seen here by that lagoon. And there's no proof of this whatsoever, but it is widely believed that Al Capone was one of the people who would use this area as a dumping ground, and that some of his murder victims roamed to this area still to this very day. Again, who knows if it's true, but it is said that his house was just a couple miles, if that, from the cemetery. Easy access. Meanwhile, the spirit of a woman has been seen here many a times. The White Lady, or more known as White Madonna. On a full moon night, many have seen her walking amongst the graves, holding a baby. And in the 90s, 
there were many sightings of a phantom black dog. Manifesting by the cemetery's entrance only to dissipate when people would approach it. I guess that's better than chasing somebody, right? Less terrifying. Then, of course, there's an urban legend attached to Bachelor's Grove, and it's such an active place. Why not have a legend or two? It's one we've heard before, and one that is often shared around campfires, with that one jokester hiding in the woods, hand over mouth so not to laugh, (laughs) waiting for the right time to jump out and scare everyone! Boo! 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 The young couple go off in the woods and park their car and start to kiss. Things are getting pretty hot and heavy in the car, but once the fun is done, the young man, he gets out of the car to take a little leak. The young woman sits in the car, waiting patiently. She starts to hear rustling sounds not too long after he's gone, and even though it's August and quite a warm evening, chills go down her spine. She shivers uncontrollably. Ooh, cold. She turns the music on, but she can still hear that distinct rustling sound. Getting impatient, she rolls down her window and yells for her boyfriend to come back to the car. George, where are you? I'm hearing some really creepy things. You better not be trying to scare me. George! No answer. As much as she doesn't want to, she opens the car door swings her legs out, and stands up. She starts searching the area for George, but it seems that he disappeared into thin air. Or has he? Flustered, she heads back to the car when suddenly, (coughs) up above the car, hanging by a tree branch, is George, his feet ever so gently scraping against the car's roof. That's what she was hearing the whole time. Who would do such a horrible thing? Well, I'll tell you, a demented, deranged killer who broke out of prison and calls the woods home. That's who. And he has a hook for a hand, and why not? Told you you've heard this one before. One of the more common urban legends dubbed the dead boyfriend. And there's another not-so-nationally-known legend connected to Bachelor's Grove, and it has to do with a caretaker. Kill them. Kill them all. Do it. The man wipes a tear from his eye and sighs. (sighs) The man, he looks around and sees that the room is empty. Get the axe and take them out, one by one. It will be easy. He looks at the axe and shakes his head violently and screams out, No! I can't! I won't! I mustn't! Eerie laughter enters his eardrums. He's frustrated, the man. I just can't. No, leave me alone, he cries. He wipes his tears, and suddenly his face changes from a sad frown and despair to a deranged smile and excitement. Adrenaline runs through its veins wildly as he picks up the axe. He speaks, but it's not his own voice. Kill them. Kill them. He walks towards the door and opens it to the room where his wife and children are.
The legend goes that this man, the caretaker for the cemetery grounds, he started hearing voices that was coming from the cemetery, demanding that he murder his family. Kill them. Kill them all. In a trance, that's exactly what he does. After he does the murderous deed, he gets out of the trance and comes to the realization that... Not only has his beloved wife and precious children been brutally axed to death, but it was by his very own hands. This is way too much for him to comprehend with, and he hangs himself on a nearby tree that stands near the cemetery gates. When the townspeople found out what happened, they were embarrassed and ashamed and terrified, and they burned down the house and destroyed all records of the incident trying to erase a part of the bloody Chicago history. So what is it about this particular location that is so damn paranormally active? Many believe a Native American burial ground is close by, while others think that since it's close to the active and busy turnpike, perhaps people who've died from car accidents there roam nearby. Or is it the mafia and mob murder victims dumped there that forever roam this area? And what about the phantom car and that bizarre phantom house and the apparition seen walking about? It's incredible that there's not only been encounters of spirits of people, but also of animals, the horse and the dog. Besides the mafia taking out people and dumping them on the burial grounds, another incident occurred here. A woman murdered her boyfriend and left him at the cemetery. I found an article through the Chicago Tribune dating back to 1989 that goes into further detail. Quote, The woman said she had shot Martin Myers, 43, of Midlothian, whose body was found April 21st at the Bachelor Grove Cemetery in the Rubio Woods Forest Preserve near the South Suburb. You know, it seems that after investigating this death, It is believed that the victim was part of a domestic dispute between the killer. And it turns out that this unnamed woman was terrified of this man. The woman told officials that she killed Myers because he had beaten her and put a gun to her head, making her fear for her life. And it's easy, you know, for someone to say, well, she can say anything. The dude is dead. He can't defend himself. She can claim aliens abducted him. Who's to say that she is wrong? And there are many cases where the murderer just does that. They belittle the victim, placing blame on the dead. But I don't think that's what happened in this case. And I think you may agree once I read this next little bit from that article. Martin Myers had been charged in the January 11th death of another man, Mark Tilton of Houston. Police said Myers had run over Tilton because he believed Tilton was dating the woman. Ever hear the phrase, if I can't have you, no one can? I mean, wow, that is just super creepy. That's more than a mild crush or a relationship con sour. That's a psychotic, eerie, and terrifying event. That makes a stalker look like mere child's play. This is murdering somebody, literally running them down in cold blood. I hate to speak ill of the dead and make a habit not to do it, but man, he didn't seem like a super stable guy and a very dangerous individual. How many other men would he have murdered if he wasn't killed himself? His murder trial was just days away when he was killed, and I'm shocked he wasn't in a cell somewhere waiting for that trial. Little did he know, but he would get a death sentence for the murder of that young man. 
execution came prematurely. Perhaps this fellow is haunting the location as well. There's a plethora of spirits here, and it's absolutely amazing. You know, in this episode, I mentioned many different events, encounters, and experiences that have taken place here at Bachelors Grove Cemetery, and many of the resident spirits. And there's just so much more. Like, when road construction happened, and basically closed the roads getting to the cemetery and changed the turnpike route. They even removed a bridge, and one time a car, driving in the area, unaware of the bridge removal, went over into the creek, killing one person. There's word that several children throughout the years had drowned in the quarry nearby. And one researcher dug hard and found where some asshole loser strung wires across the tree branches, which resulted in a decapitation of a man. And another time, while the turnpike road was still up and open, a passenger had his head out the window and he was decapitated by a low-hanging branch. I found one article about yet another death. The title screams, A Mushroom Hunter Finds Woman's Body. And it reads... The body of a woman was found by a mushroom hunter yesterday about 450 feet east of 145th Street and Ridgeland Avenue in Bachelor Grove, west of Midlothian, in Bremen Township. It was the third body of a Negro woman found in the Cook County Forest Preserves this summer. The body, naked, except for a green bracelet on the left wrist and a yellow metal shamrock on a chain around her neck was tentatively identified from papers in a nearby purse as that of Audrey Ellis, 19, of Gary, Indiana. Gary police had reported Miss Ellis had been missing since mid-June. In July, a woman's body was found in forest preserves near Lyons and another in Calumet Woods. It turns out that Audrey Ellis was at the wrong place at the wrong time. She was traveling from her home, her safety haven, that was Gary, Indiana, to Chicago for a job interview. Sadly, her murder and those of the other two women remain unsolved to this very day. These aren't the only murders. There's more. Back in October of 1927, so mafia days, a Chicago Heights woman was shot dozens of times after she opened her front door of her home. Several hours later, a man's body was found very close to the cemetery. Turns out these two were involved in an extramarital affair and it obviously did not end well. A news article describes the scene titled Bullet Riddled Body Found Near Oak Forest. The two were found murdered 15 hours apart. Fred Passini had been taken for a ride and his body was pitched into a ditch at 167th Street and Cicero Avenue. He had been shot in the head nine times. Catherine Jones was killed when she went to answer a call at her front door. Her body was riddled with 69 shotgun slugs. Then, a year later, in 1927, another was discovered in a nearby ditch. Another body. Quote, The body of a man, the victim of machine gunners, was found Monday. The police viewed the killing as an outbreak of the savage feud that has been marked the struggle for control of the liquor traffic in the territory. More than a dozen machine gun bullets had riddled the victim's head and shoulders. The body laid in a ditch, half concealed by a wild hedge. In addition to these murders, there have been a number of suicides committed here as well. It's no wonder this area is so active with paranormal activity. 
And besides seeing blue glowing lights, apparitions, animals, houses, and cars, and what have you, all phantom, of course, people have experienced phantom smells such as strong tobacco and other things as well. There are also some incidents where people have actually been touched by spirits. Another rare occurrence, but it does happen. So, do you dare, my pretties, to investigate this cemetery? My Illinois folks, particularly Chicago, I would love to hear from you. Have you been here? I would love to hear all about your encounters and experiences at paranormal.prowlers.podcast at gmail.com. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They are equally phantasmic. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, my friends. Go to any podcast platform such as Radio Public, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, basically wherever you may roam to listen to your other phenomenal podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. This week's special city shoutouts go to Tucson, Arizona, Ormond Beach, Florida, Bolton, England, Wilmington, North Carolina, and Macomb, Michigan. You're all incredible. Be sure to come on over next Monday to hear the newest episode. See you next week.